Green Eggs and Horror content warning. Stories may contain adult language, adult situations, violence, and awesome. If you can't handle any of these things I just listed, I'd turn it off now. Good. Now it's just us. This is Green Eggs and Horror. The story today is called Passenger by Christopher Banyas. Christopher is an aspiring author and journalist, currently attending Idaho State University. He is pursuing an English degree, lives in the shadow of his student debt, and believes that everyone should read Transmetropolitan by Warren Ellis. So, without further ado, preamble, or unnecessary pre-clarification that we're about to start the story, here is the first story from Green Eggs and Horror. Passenger by Christopher Banyas. 1. Giant snowflakes fell silently onto the two-lane highway. The faded yellow lines that are the constant companion of blacktop were fading rapidly under the light dusting, and as more and more flakes arrived would soon disappear. The forest that surrounded the road was beginning to change as well. The larger trees had taken on the appearance of antiques left uncovered. A small doe hesitantly edged its head out from between two of the smaller trees, knocking what little snow had accumulated silently to the ground. She was light brown and covered with small white spots. After several seconds of staring at the long black strip that ran forever, she craned her head around to peer into the black maze of trees from which they had emerged. A tiny fawn inched out of the darkness to stand behind its mother. They stood for several moments, scanning the clearing and far side for any sign of danger. Their breath streamed out through tiny nostrils illuminated by the dominant low-hanging moon. As the wind changed, the doe's ears would change direction slightly, searching. The fawn stood silently, enraptured by the motions of its mother. Eventually, the doe took a single, tentative step toward the pavement. The fawn unblinkingly gazed after. The doe crept forward one step at a time, ears standing on end. As she reached the place where the ground sloped upward into pavement, she tilted her head downward and sniffed at it. A loud snort echoed back toward the fawn. It leapt several inches into a low-hanging branch. Sprinting after its mother when it landed, the doe nuzzled it upon catching up to her. Looking up and down the road a final time, mother and child started up onto the highway together. Two. The driver of the truck had smoked a cigarette every ten minutes for the last two hours without fail. The passenger had slumped far down into the overstuffed seat, his head now barely reaching halfway to the crooked headrest that adorned the seat. Hours earlier, the passenger stood huddled against the side of the highway as the overloaded logging truck had come to a stop before him. 
Watching the overburdened vehicle struggle against the accumulated ice and snow, he thought quietly to himself that the situation might just take care of itself. But he had thought that before, and could not bear the consequences of that thinking again. The driver flicked another butt out the window, simultaneously reaching into the open pack that rested on the dash. The smog which permeated the cabin was slowly vented out through the small opening in the driver's window. One hand rested on the oversized seat belt that draped across the passenger's body. The other rested on the handle of the ice pick tucked deep into his pocket. After lighting the new cigarette, the driver squirmed around in his seat for a bit, finally resting in a slightly different orientation than he had for the previous hour. He wore a heavy plaid jacket, collar pulled up around his neck. A giant beard and long black hair pulled back into a ponytail distinguished this unfortunate man as the hairiest the passenger had ever seen, and for that matter, the hairiest he had ever had to kill. The driver glanced at the man seated beside him, then back at the road. Several seconds later, his body went rigid as he bolted upright in the chair. One hand flew to the horn and the other to the gear shift. Hold on, he yelled. The giant beams of yellow light blazing forth from the two bulbs set in the front of the truck illuminated the two small shapes making their way across the highway. The driver's arm pumped up and down three times, shattering the peas that hung over the forest and frightening the tiny forms into the wall of trees on the other side of the road. Man, gotta watch out. Knew a guy who actually hit one of those fuckers. Rig jackknifed into a forest just like this one. They didn't find enough pieces of him to fill the only casket his insurance company would pay for. The driver said, grimly shaking his head. As they continued through the innumerable twists in the road, the passenger's head began to ache. It was not a new phenomenon. He knew that the pain would grow and grow into unbearable agony. Eventually his nose would begin to bleed, a steady drip at first, building into a sickening cascade. Learning his lesson after the first nosebleed, the passenger never delayed that long again. Glancing over at the driver's hands on the wheel, he caught a glimpse of the speedometer. The fluorescent needle rested steadily, just below the 65 mile per hour mark. A wreck at this speed on these roads would be almost surely fatal. Would this finally mark the end of his torment? The passenger leaned over toward the driver, shifting his body around to face him. The man behind the wheel looked startled for a moment, but then smiled. The tip of the cigarette clutched in his hand burned bright. Thought you were asleep for a while there, friend. Not much to see here in these parts, especially this time of night. What did you say you were doing out here again? The passenger blinked a few times, tightening his grip around the pick. He closed his eyes and tried to remember his wife's and child's faces. An excruciating, searing feeling filled his mind as he felt something step into it. The last thing he heard before being swallowed by the pain and blackness was somebody using his voice to say, The trouble with flesh you will soon come to see. It ruptures with ease, quite unlike a tree. The driver's mouth fell open and his smoldering cigarette plummeted to the cabin floor. As the passenger moved toward him, the driver saw a face pulled back in an impossible grin, teeth bared. All the muscles in the man's face and neck were constricted to their absolute limit, and his eyes had rolled back in their sockets. Blood was pouring from the man's nose. An image of a coffin, half full of human pieces, flashed into the driver's mind, followed immediately by the ice pick. The darkness eventually blurred into a scene familiar to the passenger. He saw himself as a child walking home through the fields of rampant growing gricklegrass. A massive, dilapidated building stretched skyward behind the boy. This was the house his parents had warned him about. It appeared to be abandoned, though he knew it was not. The sweat from his hand soaked into the small, dry seed clenched within it, and made a strange smell. 
The boy opened his hand to look at what lay within, head cocked to one side. Pocketing it, he ran off down the road. The scene shifted and swirled before the passenger. Soon, he saw a slightly older version of himself, sitting at a table before a bespectacled doctor and his parents. The doctor was furiously making notes as the boy told him about the seed and what had happened at the house. The doctor's gaze never left the boy, a strange expression painted on his face. After a long time, the doctor left with his parents, and the boy sat quietly alone looking down at the large table before him. After an eternity of sitting in silence, the door swung open. Mother and father came back into the room and sat down with their son. The boy sat silent while they talked. The parents could not bring themselves to look into his eyes. The boy began to cry. The room faded away, and a much smaller room presented itself. The passenger was now a teen and lay in the top bunk of a bed situated in the corner of a white brick room. The windows were barred. The bunk below the passenger was occupied by another boy of roughly the same age. The girth of the bottom teen was barely supported by the bunk. They talked for hours and hours as they were each other's only company and only believers. This boy was not here due to a story about a seed, but instead because of a story involving a talking cat and a string of strange occurrences including two otherworldly beings which caused pandemonium. The lights went out and the room was filled with pillow-muffled sobbing. The image of the two teens faded and was replaced by a graffiti-covered door which stood open a tiny crack. The door slowly opened further to reveal a dank and cluttered room. The only light inside came from a bare bulb dangling on a long cord at the far corner. The only furniture, a low table in the middle of the room. It was covered with empty bottles strewn about and full ashtrays. The headline of the paper detailed the suicide of a man who was a long sufferer of mental illness. Below the large print, the article described how the individual had been unable to overcome the delusions of a talking cat and various other hallucinations. A door he had not noticed before now stood ajar before him. Light streamed through, illuminating the grimy carpet at his feet. The door swung slowly outward to reveal a balding man standing before a large mirror. The man wore only grease-stained pants overhung by an enormous stomach which spilled over the top of his belt. The heavy-set man stood grinning at his own reflection, turning his head this way and that. As the door clunked into the wall, the passenger noticed the man's slumped shoulders and a revolver loosely held against his leg. The man blinked a few times and then took a long, deep breath. Exhaling loudly, the man lifted the revolver to his temple. Tears began falling down the fat man's cheeks. He stiffened before the mirror and in a hushed voice said, Look at me now! It is fun to have fun, but you have to know how! The room exploded in a deafening, blinding light accompanied by a cold mist. Four. The passenger's eyes fluttered open. He lay on his back, gazing skyward. Something wet streamed into the side of his face. The giant moon continued its silent vigil over the landscape, illuminating the large, falling flakes of ice from behind. He struggled to a sitting position, and was immediately witness to the destruction around him. Hundreds of logs were scattered everywhere about him, and a small fire was burning twenty or so feet to his right. Beyond, he could barely make out the splintered guardrail at the side of the highway. The fire was beginning to melt the snow near the road, forming a small stream that now ran through the space where he had landed. The scattered lumber reminded him of the wooden blocks that had enthralled him for hours upon hours as a child. 
The acrid smell of diesel fuel and the taste of blood pulled him out of the memory. Little remained of the vehicle he had been riding in moments before. Here a wheel, there several coils of chain, over there a destroyed axle. There was no sign of the driver. The passenger strained, slowly rolling onto his side, spitting out the blood that had collected inside his bottom lip. Tentatively, he leaned forward, attempting to stand. A biting pain blazed forth from his leg, shattering the calm of the scene in which he found himself. The passenger screamed out through clenched teeth, his eyes slammed shut and teeth ground together as the pain slowly subsided. Snowflakes landed on his upturned face as he slowly opened his eyes. The leg was bent at an impossible angle beneath him, and any movement brought the pain back to life. The passenger rolled around onto his stomach, wincing as the damaged bones in the leg shifted. Crawling back up the slope to the highway would be impossible in his current condition. Wincing, he inched his body around in the opposite direction. Finally, he came to rest on his stomach, peering deeper into the forest. For a moment, he stayed that way, propped up on both elbows, gazing into the dark and deep forest. After several moments, something caught his attention through all the trees that spread out before him. Up on the side of the hill, some distance from him, there was a faint light, blinking in and out through the heavy snowfall. Taking a deep breath, he reached out a shaky arm and pulled himself forward toward the light. Five. How had he survived? The gnarled masses of metal and rubber stood tribute to the destructive force which had been unleashed as the truck exited the roadway. What had happened in the cab of that truck? He remembered the smooth handle of the ice pick in his hand and the early symptoms of the sickness coming on as he contemplated disobeying. One elbow at a time, he inched his way into the forest and toward the only sign of life in the vicinity. His ruined leg bounced and fell over the roots and pine cones that littered the ground under the green giants towering above. The passenger craned his neck upward as he crawled on, spying a giant boulder resting between two trees. Compared to the titanic pines, the boulder was a pebble. Reaching the boulder, he propped his arm against the cold stone, finally pulling the rest of his body up into a sitting position. Sucking air through his clenched teeth, he surveyed the ground he had arduously covered. The prone body had cut a swath through the new fallen snow, accentuated by a thin red streak. Glancing down at his leg, he noticed with finality the slowly spreading dark pool underneath it. Tears burned at the edges of his vision, blurring the peaceful scene in which his body would be discovered. The passenger sobbed silently to himself for several moments, arms hanging limply off to either side. He thought of his wife and child. Thinking of a widow and a fatherless daughter made his sobs come louder and his chest heave up and down. When had he last seen them? As his vision bounced around the forest atop his anguish, something caught his eye. There were two dim red lights emanating from a small bush in front of him. Blinking rapidly and wiping the back of a hand across his eyes, he peered into the small shrub. As he inspected the leaves around where the two lights hovered, a dense silence pressed in around him. A familiar voice hissed toward him from the bush. Remember what happens should you stop premature. I will show you again to ensure you endure. The two orbs wavered slightly behind the leaves of the bush and then slowly made their way toward the boulder and the passenger. They came to rest directly in front of his eyes. Floating there for a moment, the pair appeared similar to the oversized snowflakes in shape. The passenger struggled to keep his eyelids open as their weight seemed to increase with each passing moment. After briefly closing his eyes, the passenger opened them to find a grisly scene, one he had forgotten about. 
the trees, snowflakes, and moon had all vanished. Now he stood in a doorway, looking into a small room with only an ancient black leather couch in its center. The couch faced away from him, and the entire room was illuminated only by the static that played across the tiny television which lay on its side in the corner. The sound of static grew louder as he made his way toward the back of the couch. Above the top of the couch, he saw the shapes of two heads, one rising to a greater height than the other. The rest of the room faded away when he reached the couch. He could no longer make out walls or any other feature in the room in which he now stood. The static escalated in volume, while the light dimmed. He made his way around the corner of the couch and came to stand in front of it. The light slowly came back. The passenger fell to his knees before the occupants of the sofa. He began to sob, and soon tears were streaming down his face. Someone had blindfolded his family, and the word UNLESS was carved into both of their foreheads in crooked lettering. The blindfolds were stained with blood, as was the rest of their clothing, and their hands and feet were bound. Why are you doing this to us? he screamed. I've done everything, everything you've asked. He blinked again and the room was gone. The snowflakes were still falling in the world he stepped back into. The two small lights traveled back into the bush from whence they had come and disappeared. The voice again drifted up to him. Carefree and happy a child should be, though cautious and kind with the life of a tree. The passenger vigorously shook his head, tears running through the smudges left by other tears. I fucking planted it! I wanted it to grow! Do you know what that little seed did to my life? I'm sorry I forgot to water it. I'm fucking sorry. I was only a kid. He screamed toward the bush. The lights appeared again, this time growing brighter before zipping above the boulder. The strange voice boomed down from somewhere above. Best keep a crawling. You're doing just fine. Else I'll be the one forgets water this time. Six. You awake, son? Yeah? Can you hear me, boy? A gravelly voice pierced the darkness of the passenger's mind. He breathed in sharply, opening his eyes. Before him stood a truly ancient man. Aside from the wrinkles and thick glasses, the man wore a thick green sweater made of wool and hands covered by thick green gloves. The passenger was lying on his back again, this time staring into a wooden ceiling instead of the cosmos. The small house was lit by several lamps placed in the corners and on a nearby table as well as a small stove near the center of the room. Despite the stove and lamps, he could see his breath mingle with that of the old man in front of his face. You in that accident down there, Sonny? The man asked. The passenger looked down and saw the old man wrapping something around his broken leg. Been quite a few years since I've seen something like that. The old man finished what he was doing and hobbled his way over to the one window in the home. After reaching the window, he moved to the side and drew open a primitive set of curtains. The passenger saw immediately where he was. Far below them, he could make out the highway winding its way through the forest. He noticed the fire still smoldering close to where he had woken. There were now many sets of lights where the truck had plowed off the road. The old man let the curtains fall closed in a rush of patchy fabric. Was lucky I found you out there. Ran low on logs and took the truck for a load. There's an old access road that hooks up with the highway a few miles out. Got my wood pile around there. Just happened to see you a-laying out there under a tree. The old man said slowly. The old man slowly shambled over to the stove. Damned if I know how you climbed all the way up there with a leg broke as that. 
Several moments passed, and the old man came back with the blanket, which he threw over the passenger. Don't got a phone, so we'll have to wait for morning to get you to a hospital. Almost didn't get the truck back here with the snow. I fixed up your leg as good as I could. Just have to wait till morning. I don't remember how I got here, the passenger said, holding a shaky hand to his forehead. I remember riding in a huge truck and winding along a snowy road, but not much else. The old man came to stand in front of him. Slowly, he leaned down to look in the passenger's eyes. I'm sure you'll be all right, young man. Probably just knocked your head one. Say, looks like you got a bit of a nosebleed going there, friend. The old man turned around and shuffled toward a shelf on the far wall. The passenger suddenly felt pain rush into his head. The pressure was unbearable. A familiar feeling came over him then. It felt as though something tentatively stepped inside his mind, then a second later fully entered, like a child testing a pool of water in the summer before jumping in. His vision shrank and shrank until it was a tiny dot which then disappeared. Before his vision completely vanished, it appeared as if his body had stood up and was in the process of moving over to where the old man stood. A gruesome popping and grinding was all he heard as the dot dissipated. Inky blackness segued into a shoddy wooden floor. The passenger realized that before him stood the door to the hovel, inside of which his body now stood. Unable to move or change perspective in any way, he stared into the tiny cracks and fissures that ran through the imperfect piece of wood. The passenger detected muffled voices emanating from the center of the room. Focusing all of his consciousness onto the door and what lay within, he was finally able to make out what was being said. You best lay back down, boy. That leg can't take it. What's wrong with your eyes? The passenger heard someone take a few very slow, plodding steps across the floor. Every audible footstep was accompanied by grinding and crunching sounds. The steps stopped, and a brief silence followed. Inside the cabin, the old man gasped. Now listen here, Dad. I intend to go on doing just what I do, another worldly voice hissed through the door. The passenger heard something metal being drawn across a hard surface. The old man began to scream. And for your information, I'm figuring on biggering. The sound of the old man's scream was interrupted by a sickeningly wet impact, followed by a loud crash. The old man's scream grew louder and more desperate. Only the screams and wails of the old man were audible. The passenger could do nothing save concentrate on the barrier before him. And biggering, the hissing voice grew into a bellow. Again came the wet sound. And biggering! This time, the sound was of someone ripping into cloth. The old man's screams stopped. And figuring! The bellow climaxed with the force of a storm detonation, vibrating the cabin. For the next several moments, the only sound was that of ice being broken up. Then all was silent. The passenger began to lose track of time when a uniformed man entered his vision and came open the door. Several more men moved through the space he occupied before he heard the new voices. Before the room was full of men, the passenger caught a glimpse of his body. All he could make out was its back, drenched in blood. He's got a knife! Drop it, now! He's fucking coming! A single startled gunshot was followed by a thunderous barrage as the cabin erupted in gunfire. After what felt like minutes, the shooting stopped. A loud thump echoed through the doorway, followed by a quieter one. Oh, Jesus Christ! What the... the fuck did he do to him? The passenger's vision began to lose clarity. Same as all the others, we finally got him. The backs of the men before him wavered and grew dim. 
Where'd he kill first? The edges of the passenger's vision began to collapse inward as they were replaced by darkness. Escaped from a mental hospital about a year ago. Been doing this shit ever since. His field of vision was now half its norm. What'd he do to get committed in the first place? A small circle was all that remained. Certifiable since he was a kid. Some delusion about a magic seed in a tree or some shit. Who the fuck knows what they believe? He was locked up his whole life till he turned violent. Killed six people on his way out. As the passenger's vision shrunk to a tiny dot, the men inside the room walked out of the doorway. On the wooden floor, surrounded by bullet casings and blood, lay his body. It was on its back. For a fleeting moment, the passenger stared into the eyes that he used to hide behind. The face was contorted and filled with holes. The jaw was nearly detached. One of the eyes had been blown out of the skull while the other appeared to have rotated completely around in the socket. As the dot faded into nothingness, the one remaining eye in the skull of his body blinked. 7. An abandoned shack sat silent under the pale moon. It was covered in snow and wrapped in yellow tape. The door had been locked and most of the insides taken away as a light snow again began to fall on the scene. A tiny, tedious, hoofed leg poked out from behind the structure. It stayed there, lightly quivering in the deep snow, before another followed it. Soon, the tiny head of a fawn poked around the side of the house. Its eyes blinked quickly, its nose quivered as a flake landed upon it. Raising its head, it peered into the structure through one of the many small holes in the side. Carefully stepping around to face the giant door which sealed the entrance, the fawn locked its eyes on a glint of something to the right of the door. Wiggling its tail, it inched forward to inspect what it had seen. Coming nearer the house, it then sensed it was safe. The fawn lowered its head and began poking around the ground. Suddenly, a large stick that had been propped up against the side of the door clattered to the side of the house, startling the fawn. It jumped straight up into the air and sprinted back into the forest to find its mother. The falling stick had dislodged a layer of snow that clung to the side of the house. Where the snow had been, there was a single word carved deep into the wood. Wunzler. About the story. Chris says, I chose to base my submission on the Lorax because I feel that it stands out among Dr. Seuss's impressive body of work and that it lends itself perfectly to a horror style. The wide-eyed, rapt attention with which I read the Lorax as a child was surpassed only by the truths that I found in its pages as an adult. There is much mysterious imagery in the story, aside from the ludicrous Seussian artwork, and it begs to be reinterpreted. Green Eggs and Horror is released under a Creative Commons 3.0 attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, U.S. license. That means you can give it away and share it however you like, but don't take credit for it or sell it. Davin Creed wrote and produced the intro music, as well as the soundtrack for today's story. The outro music was written and produced by Heather Nixon. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in a physical copy or a digital copy, you can find Green Eggs and Horror on Amazon, Kindle, and on greenegsandhorror.com.